Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Now, it's my privilege to introduce Neil Childs. Most of you know him. Uh, he was, you know, Pastor Mike uh, just referenced the fact that, that uh, he's a a grandfather, again, grand, grandbaby number four, and he leaned over and said, it's amazing how many people kind of know what's going on in our lives. And this is the day and age we live in. You follow him, you, get, you can sign up for the, their uh, e-newsletter, you can follow him on Facebook. And what I love about this guy is not just seeing him year after year and hearing from him again after year, year after year, but how the relationship grows, not just between me and him, but between him and, and you all. We get this relationship is being built, we, we, we get closer, we know each other better. And so it's not just, oh, let's hear from a guy from Africa again, but let's hear how God is continuing to use our dear friends, Neil and Danette Childs and their family. With him today is Toby. Danette, sadly, can't be with us today because she stayed with uh, Tanika down in Tulsa as she recovers uh, from the uh, childbirth, and uh, I'll let Neil fill you in on all the details and what's going on with Toby. They drove up from Tulsa yesterday they drive back to Tulsa today. That's a pretty quick turnaround, so I'm so glad you guys did it. Would you please give a warm, living word welcome to Neil and Toby Childs. Thanks. Now, I think we're good. So I can go back and see the video in a minute. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have life because of Jesus. Truly an honor to come and to be here at Living Word Family Church. Um, As Pastor just said, it's the relationship that is so awesome. I'm honored to be here. I know that this is a church that is what I consider high level. The spiritual maturity, the type of speakers that come in here, Pastor Scott's uh, level of bringing the word. I'm honored to be here to be able to stand in the same pulpit. So I just want to say how thankful we are for that, for the opportunity to have this relationship and for the support. What we do in Niger in a minute, we're going to watch a video. When you see what's been going on these past, this past year, I mean, Danette updates them every year, so this is just this past year you'll see, but you are very much a part of that. We are honored to be ones that are sent by this house. And so, um, and following us on, on Facebook or or through our updates and everything. Just, I was so blessed. Several people have come and said either I'm praying for you or congratulations on that new baby. Um, thank you so much. Yes, Danette wanted me to make sure I extend her, first of all, her greetings and then her sadness for not being able to be here. Um, she was planning on it all along, but um, originally scheduled, we, we were going to be um, not going back to, or on our way back to Tulsa, but not coming from Tulsa. We, um, it was, the baby had to come early. Tanika developed what's called coleostasis. The baby has to be taken out pretty quick. And so she was induced to three weeks early before her due date, but still the baby didn't come through the inducing. Um, every time they put the Pitocin in that's supposed to trigger the contractions, uh, the baby's heart rate would go down. So it ended up then after having already been in the hospital for 24 hours, then they did a C-section. And so she's already been in there since Tuesday, and she doesn't get out till maybe today, um, recovering from that. And when they did the epidural, it was actually a spinal tap, because one out of 100 epidurals ends up going too far and getting into the spinal tap. That's what the doctors told me. So anyways, praise God. Mom's doing great. Tanika is doing great. Y'all remember Tanika. She's been here. 
Um, the baby is Levi. Levi Obina is in Wosu. So Tanika's husband, Stephen, is a Nigerian. So that's in the Igbo language. Uh, Obina means the father's heart. And Ezinwosu is his family name. So anyways, that's Danette. And she is very sad she can't be here. Um, also, just wanted to quickly say, hey, here is heading to ORU. That's why we're leaving today right after service. By 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, he starts his orientation at ORU as a freshman. So we're very happy for that. And because mom couldn't travel with me, Toby was ready and excited <laughs> to come take the trip with um, We have seen growth in the churches. I don't know if you all remember, we had done gone through a transition in our ministry via Bandant. To a national, um, and so even under Pastor Hashimoto's leadership, uh, things are going well. We're continuing to grow. Uh, Danette and I are more specifically involved in the Bible schools. We're part of the training of the pastors because to be able to grow, we need to train our own people and disciple and to pastor. So that's what's been happening in Via Bandant, and really, it's easier to see it on the video. So I don't know if the video is queued up, um, and we can run with that. Danette does our videos. This is all Danette. And, uh, Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord. God, for all that you're doing in the world today. Lord, we thank you for that mandate given to us to go into all the world. Father, we just right now welcome your presence. Lord, we pray for ears to hear and for an unction to preach and to teach and to minister, God. Pray for, for ears to hear and hearts to receive, God. Lord, we thank you for your word. We bless your name now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm typically a preacher, but today I have a list, so I'm calling it teaching. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm going to start reading in verse 19. It says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I'm reading in the NIV. You can follow along in whatever translation. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. Hallelujah. All people. The Apostle Paul had a revelation for all people. He said that he might win as many as possible. I have become all things to all men that by all possible means. The Apostle Paul had a very clear uh, purpose, priority, and passion to his life. His focus was all people. And he had a revelation that this was not just his revelation. It was not just his heart But this was God's heart. God's heart was for all people. Jesus said in Mark 16, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
In Matthew 28, it says, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus said in Matthew 24, the gospel of this kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness unto every nation, and then the end shall come. It's almost as if everything is on hold for people. Time exists for people. God's heart is that we will reach all people, that all people would come to repentance, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that all people would be with him in heaven. You know, hell was never created for people. My message today is by all possible means. God's heart is for all people. By all possible means that we will save some to reach as many as possible. You know, 99% is not good enough. Jesus' parable about the good shepherd, it says that shepherd leaves the 99 to go and look for the one because 99% is not good enough. God's heart is for all people. And the apostle Paul had that same passion in his heart. I said, I'm teaching. Amen. So I, that statement that the apostle Paul makes, I become all things to all people that by all possible means... My message today is called by all possible means. And I want to break down 10 things that I believe that that statement tells us from the scriptures. When it says by all possible means. And number one, I think it speaks to this. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to be teaching. Because there's a list. Whether it's called preaching or teaching, there's a list. Amen. Number one, it means doing whatever it takes. Doing whatever it takes. You know, we can't just talk about it. We've got to do it. We can't just wait and see what's going to happen. We've got to do it. And we've got to do whatever it takes. That's about a willingness to take action. A willingness. God demonstrated his willingness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God was willing to do something pretty crazy. We've got to be ready to do whatever it takes. When something means so much to us. When something's so important, we're ready to do whatever it takes. You know, how about when, when you desire something so much, you're ready to do what it takes. How about that man that's ready to go out or that young man that goes out in the pouring rain and he serenades his girlfriend in the pouring rain outside her window. He's ready to do whatever it takes. You know, when we want something so much, whether it's that dream job or it's that, that girl of your dreams or it's, it's the latest and greatest technology, we do whatever it takes. Some people do whatever it takes for that promotion. Some people will lie, they'll steal, they'll cheat will prostitute themselves to do whatever it takes to get what they want. My question today is, what are we willing to do to do what God has asked us to do? Do we desire for people so much to come into the kingdom that we're ready to do whatever it takes? Are we ready to be uncomfortable? Are we ready to sit in a plane for 10 hours? Are we, we to be in that crowded economy class? Are we ready to drive across the desert in 120 degrees without air conditioning? Are we ready to get into that muddy water to baptize somebody? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to reach all people? The apostle Paul said, I become all things to all people that by all possible means, all possible means is about doing whatever it takes. Are we ready to do whatever it takes? Are we ready to do whatever it takes for God and for the Great Commission? You know, the Apostle Paul, sometimes when you want something so bad, you'll, you'll do whatever it takes. Sometimes it's crazy things. The Apostle Paul made a statement in Romans chapter 9. He says, he says, I would as soon be cursed and forever separated from Christ for the sake of the salvation of my fe- fellow Israelites. I mean, that's some pretty crazy talk from the Apostle Paul. Paul was ready to do whatever it takes that some might be saved. 
are we ready to do by all possible means? Naaman almost lost his, Naaman almost lost his miracle when he went to go and see Elisha to, 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 to get the healing of his leprosy. Because when the prophet even refused to come out and see him and, and just sent word for him to go and dip himself in the Jordan seven times, he almost wasn't willing to do what the man of God told him to do, and he almost lost his miracle. He wasn't willing. But fortunately, somebody gave him some advice, and he went, and he did it. You know, we'll lose what God has for us if we're not willing to do what it takes. We've got to be ready to do whatever it takes. Everybody say, doing whatever it takes. Number two, I think that this statement tells us that there is a sacrifice. When the Apostle Paul says, by all means possible, I think he's telling us there is a sacrifice. There's a story in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus is walking and a young man runs up to to Jesus and falls down at his feet and says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and, And he said, and the man calls him, oh, good master, Oh, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, I think Jesus, hey, Tips, could you open that water or something for me? I think Jesus pretty much picked up, this guy's kind of got a little bit of religious attitude. You know, he even says to him, why are you calling me good? There's only one good, that's God. You know, he already picked up, he's like trying to, you know, what must I do, good master, to inherit? And Jesus says, well, don't, you know, why are you calling me good? There's one good, good, and that's God. And then he says, but you already know the, 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 the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not um, steal, do not commit fraud, honor your father and mother, he lists through some of the Ten Commandments. And the, and the young man says, oh, these I've done since I was just a young boy. And then Jesus looked at him and it says he loved him and he said to him, but there's one thing that you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. And it says his heart was heavy and he left sad because he had many possessions. Now, this is not about a money issue or about having possessions. This is about his heart. There's a sacrifice to be made. If we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, I'll tell you, there's going to be a sacrifice. Do you know that some people have laid down their life for the gospel to go around the world? Some people today are going into places where, they're, where they have to be willing to sacrifice their lives. You know, the early missionaries, they packed their load in coffins. Because they knew that it would be a sacrifice. There is a sacrifice. Jesus said it like this when those would come up to him and say, I'll follow you wherever you're going to go, Jesus. I want to follow you. And Jesus said to him, you know, the foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Again, not about poverty, not about how much stuff Jesus had, but there is a sacrifice. You know, there's not every place where Jesus was going that there was a Radisson Blue. And I throw the Radisson Blue out there because Niame just built a nice Radisson Blue 13. So, so come to Niame and we do have a Radisson Blue. You won't, you know, you know, you'll be like the fox and the bird. You'll have a place to stay. But there are times where you have to make the sacrifice to go into some of those villages. You know, to, unfortunately, some of these places you saw us going this past year, we've been turned back from going there now because of terrorism. Three different times we've been turned back. One time, Danette, we actually had to get out to a place. She had to hire armed guards to get out to the village to go out for for a particular program we had. I was in another uh, city, but Danette was going out with a guest speaker who had built a church out there. It paid for the building of a church, and we had to get him out there to see it. So we paid the guards. But 
You know, there is a sacrifice, amen? Number three, each of these could actually be a whole message. I'm just hitting them because I'm wanting to broad stroke to stir a passion for the Great Commission. Number three, there is a risk. First of all, it's about doing whatever it takes. There is a sacrifice and there is a risk. Doing whatever it takes means you're willing to take some risks. There will be some risks. You know, people every day today take risks to follow Jesus. You know, I I recently heard about a, a, a law that was passed just this past year in China. And it's called the Judas Law. I mean, I don't think it's called the Judas Law, but the people are calling it the Judas Law. The government pays $1,500 for you to turn somebody else in that is caught, you know, participating in the underground church or reading their Bible or what have you. That's a risk. We can't think that we're just going to be out going, taking this gospel around the world and it's risk-free. When Jesus called those first disciples and he said, come follow me, they left their nets, they left their, their boats, they left their father, and they went and followed him, and it wasn't with some guaranteed plan with a 401k and all that, there was, there was no guarantee, there was a risk. When we followed, you know, sometimes I think our mindset in America, when we're living under such a great uh, liberty and freedom that's been made available for us in this country, we live under that idea that we think the whole world is like that. But I want you to know, if we're going to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, we got to know there is a risk. Are we willing to take the risk? There's a risk. Friend of mine, another ORU graduate was wanting to come this a few years back. Come and do like a, an open air, it kind of his ministry, he brings a team and he does kind of a cross between like the old teen mania um, what do you call the, the, like the street, street evangelism and stuff. And then at night, there's a big campaign type thing. And so this is his format. And, you know, he, we're, he said, do you think Niger's ready for something like this? You know, because Niger being such a high percentage Muslim, it's kind of a big deal. So we're like, yes, we can do that. Let's, let's plan it. And we start making the plans and we're setting it up. And there's a little bit of pushback on how we're going to do it because he typically goes through the schools and that was giving us some pushback. But we set it all up. But as we're setting it up about two months, two months before the meeting was to take place, his team coming, a team of about 35, coming to do this big evangelism push. He calls up and says he was talking with one of his friends down in Tulsa, somebody that he really respects. And then the the man said to him, "Um, you know, do you know where you're going? It's not a really safe area. And they were actually going to be, they they were going to land and they're planning to land in Kano, Nigeria, which is very close to Maradi up in Niger where our headquarters was. And he's going to land in Kano and just drive out just a four-hour drive. And when this guy's hearing this, that you're landing in Kano and you're driving up into Niger, very Muslim territory, the guy in Tulsa says, do you know that this is very dangerous territory? Um, You know, do you really think God is doing that? And his friend basically told him, I don't feel good about you doing this. So my friend who's coming, I don't want to say his name, but we'll just call him John because John's his name, but that's all I'll say. <laughs> he, he calls me up and says, you know, I, he, my friend has said all this and, and you know, I, 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 what do you feel? Do you think that this is something we should, I, hey, when you first told me I was ready to do it and I'm ready to do it, nothing's changed, you know? I mean, we're pretty much like, we make a plan, we're going with a plan, you know? God should have told us up front. No, I, <laughs> Take that in the right way, please. Um, 
I can miss it and Holy Spirit's had to deal with me. But on that particular case, we felt God is saying, green light, let's do these meetings. And, and he said, well, you know, it's a really crucial time in my ministry. They're just getting ready for their program to be on TBN. They're going to be on TBN. And, and this would be, so it's kind of a high profile thing for them because if something was to happen with a team, right as they're going, getting ready to be on TBN, it was going to be this big deal. And he said, but, you know, can you, Brother Neil, I, I want to come, and, 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 I, and so can you guarantee me that there will be no problems? <laughs> I said, look, there are no guarantees. I want you to know if we're going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, there is a risk. And I had to tell him, there, there, there's a risk, but I'm ready to do it because I believe God wants us to do this. And so then he put it in my court. He says, okay. Because he was going to land in Kano, I was going to send a team down, because it's in another country, got across the border, Niger to Nigeria. He was going to go and bring, my, my, one of our colleagues that's a Nigerian is going to go bring him up. But he said, no, no, if you yourself come to receive me at the airport, then I'll come. So I said, okay, I'll come. And I went and got the visa and did whatever it took, by all possible means, and we got him up. And we held the meetings, and they were incredible. There was some pushback. There was uh, stoning, and there was the, the interpreter got a, a rock between his eyes and blood and all that. But, but we did the meetings. People got saved. People got healed. It was a powerful impact. People were added to the church. That's the great commission. There is a risk. There's no guarantee. But when God tells you to go, you go. We do whatever it takes. There is a sacrifice to be made, and there is a risk. And number four. There's no place for fear. When we say by all possible means, there's no place for fear. Paul was beaten, he was imprisoned, and he got up and he went right back to preaching to the people that had beaten him up. I mean, Paul, whether he was teaching in a Jewish synagogue or, we, or he was in, in, a, in a Roman court, in a trial in a Roman court, he spoke and communicated fearlessly the gospel. You know, the Bible says that, that we have not been given the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Jesus said, do not be afraid, I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. We've got to be ready to go after it. There's no place for fear. Some people, I, I've heard time and again, I would go to the mission field, but I'm afraid of flying. Really? That's why you're not doing the Great Commission? Now, hear my heart. I don't believe everybody has to go to be part of the Great Commission. Because if that was true, we'd all be going and who would be helping to fund it? I get that. But I do believe that God puts it in the heart for people to go. And you have to have that going heart. I'll tell you, missions is actually starting to slow down. There are long-term missions has dropped significantly. And everything was shifting over to short-term missions. And now even short-term missions seems to be drying up a little bit. We've got to have the, 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 the willingness to do whatever it takes. When the Apostle Paul said, I become all things to all people that by all possible means, he was saying you've got to do whatever it takes. You've got to be ready to make the sacrifice. You've got to be ready to take the risk. And you've got to get rid of fear. Some people are afraid. They're afraid of flying. They're afraid of trying different foods. They're afraid of using a toilet where there is no toilet. And Pastor Scott can tell you all about that. Some people are afraid of terrorism. i got to be honest with you. Terrorism is, is increased in the 21 years we've been on the field. It's not like it used to be. But we can't live our lives in fear. People are afraid of man. They're afraid of the unknown. They're afraid of this last one, which was really what made me have to, which I struggled with for years when I knew God had called me. 
I was working the systems. And when I went through ORU, I went knowing that I was going to be a missionary, but I, I wanted to experience what it was like to have a job. I grew up as an MK in Nigeria. And here I, I, I told Danette when I met her at ORU, we're going to be missionaries, but I just want to live a little bit in America, have a job, know what it's like to earn a living and the professional thing. So I worked for EDS. And, uh, but then I started working with EDS. I'm getting out of school loan debt and all that. The biggest challenge that I was afraid of making that transition to go to the mission field was how am I going to be supported? And that's one of the major things that really become the, 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 the challenge, the, the, the thing to overcome fear. I'm getting a steady paycheck at my job. I mean, it, I don't even have to get it. It just shows up in my bank account. And now I'm going to let that go? And I'm just going to like trust that people are going to just give by their own desire to give. I'm not part of a denomination. I'm just out preaching the gospel, just believing that God's going to touch the hearts of people and support me. That was the thing we had to overcome. But there is no place for fear. If we're going to say by all possible means, we're going to push these things aside. There is a sacrifice. There is a risk. And there's no place for fear. Number five. I believe that when the apostle Paul said, By all possible means, he was telling us that it would require a perseverance. Paul did not give up. After being stoned and and left for dead, lying up, he got right back up and went back into the city. He continued preaching. We have to begin to persevere after all that God has called us to do. He went back after it. Jesus gives us the parable about the, the widow woman who goes to the unjust judge. We're familiar with it, I'm sure. Um, But it says this judge doesn't fear even God. And this widow comes to seek justice from the judge. And the judge doesn't even want to give her the time of day. He's not afraid of anything. And he doesn't even have any compassion for anybody. But it says this judge was moved to give the woman what he wanted. Because the woman just kept on, kept on, kept on. When we talk about by all possible means, it's going to require some perseverance. How many times have you invited somebody to church and they say no and you're like, okay, sorry, you know, you don't want to get in somebody's face. You've got to go after them. You've got to pursue after them. Just because they said no once is, it doesn't mean, okay, uh, that, that, that's, they told me no, I don't want to be a pain. No, you've got to go after them. I want to share with my, my, my best friend who I've known since I was four years old, before we went to Africa, he just was made senior pastor in an in AG church out in California. When I came back from Nigeria's uh, into college, ORU, I looked up my friend from my four-year-old best friend that I had known for, lived in a trailer next to him for six years before we'd gone to the mission field. And we had been best friends. We had gone to church as kids. Come back for college, and he's no longer walking with Christ. His family had gone through a divorce. He was living in an apartment with a bunch of guys just living a party life. I come back, and I look my friend up, and I'm like, Steve, what are you doing? Let's, let's get... I mean, why are you living like this? I, and I started preaching to him. And he's like, hey, if you're going to come visit me, I don't want this preaching. You know, if we're going to hang out, I don't want that. I said, well, let me pray for you and I won't preach for the rest of this week. <laughs> and so I prayed for him. He said, fine. Well, then I went back to our you and I said, okay, now you come after me. Six different times I, he made arrangements that he would come visit me at ORU and he, would, he would, wouldn't show up. And I would call back and I'd say, Steve, I came to visit you. You need to come visit me. Called him again. Second time, he, he missed. Third, fourth, fifth. It was on the sixth time that he finally shows up to ORU. 
and said, well, you know, I, sorry, I just didn't really want to come, but I didn't have any money this week, so I decided I'd come and you could take care of me. Shows up at ORU, and he gives his life to Christ. And today, he's a pastor, and he's supporting me. Amen. But you know what? I had to go after him. You can't just say it one time and think, okay, good. You know, I've, I've presented the gospel to this person. They said, no, wipe the dust from my feet. When the Apostle Paul says, by all possible means, it's about continuing after these folks. Don't just give up, persevere. When the Apostle Paul says, by all possible means, it requires a perseverance. Amen. When Naaman was told to go into the, the water, he went down the first time, second time, third time. He had to keep on pressing in. Don't give up when you're on your sixth time down into the water. Amen. Because it wasn't until the seventh before there was any sign. Don't get discouraged because you've been doing it. Going down into the muddy water one, two, three, four times. Keep on going after it. And on that seventh time, wham, there was a miracle. Doing whatever it takes. By all possible means. Ready to take the risk. Ready to make the sacrifice. Pushing all fear aside and pressing in. It requires perseverance. Number six, it requires flexibility. And I want to be very clear on this. I believe that when the Apostle Paul said, by all possible means, he's showing that it's going to require some flexibility. I mean, mean, he says it so well when he says, "To, to, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law to reach those that are under the law. To those without the law, I became like one without the law. Even though he knew he was under Christ's law, he became as one without the law. To the weak, he became weak to win the weak. He became all things to all men that he might save some. It's going to require some flexibility. Our, even though we may know what the best way of doing something is, it doesn't mean it's the only way. And sometimes we're going to have to be Flexible. Now, now, I say I want you to hear me very well on this because I don't believe in tolerance. That, that's not what I'm saying when I talk about being flexible. It's not what, and, and I'm not saying you become the sinner to win the sinner. But I do think that we can be flexible to know how we can adjust the, mes- the methods without changing the message. You see, we're living in a time when culture has changed. Culture's changing all around us, and it's the way people think. And if you're going to talk to somebody and present the gospel to them, you've got to be flexible enough to be able to find out how can I connect with my audience? You know, even the Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. And then when I became old, I put childish things away. You see, people at different stages of life and in different cultures, culture is the way people think. What is normal here? That's culture. Well, what is normal, the way that people are thinking, has changed. But if the church doesn't figure out how to present the gospel to the way it's changed, we're not flexible, we're going to miss out on reaching the next generation. And I know this is a sensitive subject, so I'll have a quiet pause. And then moving on, (laughs) amen, there's a cultural change and we've got to be flexible to change the methods without changing the message. This leads right into my next one. It's not a one-size-fits-all to reach people. It's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, go to the market in 
in Niger to buy clothes like Pastor Scott did. And, uh, you know, the clothes are already made. And, and usually there's what they call a one size fits all. It's like it just, it, it, it's clothes that look good. It's the same size, but it looks good on a skinny person or on a fat person. And I typically have to go for the one size fits all. And, uh, you know, the one size fits all means that, that there's some flexibility there. Amen? We've got to realize that there's not just one way of doing something. Again, I have to be very sensitive here because I want you to hear my heart. If we're going to present the gospel, it means that there is not just a one size fits all. When we were preaching, when we started our ministry in these years, we started among the house of people. And it's a particular culture, the house of culture. And in Marathi, we were dealing with former Muslims because the house of people were former Muslims. And the way we presented the gospel and the way we discipled, we had it down. I mean, we had worked and our ministry was actually the ministry having the most fruit in the area. People were getting saved and discipled and added into the church. Our churches were growing when some of the other missionaries' churches had, had been there before us were not growing at all. But ours was growing. We had figured out how to do it. We'd figured out how to connect the, the message to the people. Then we moved. I moved to Niamey and we started reaching out to a different people group, to the Gourmanche people group. And we tried to take the same things that we had been using among the Hausa, the same methods, and they weren't working among the Gourmanche. The Gourmanche were very easy to come to Christ, but they were very difficult to disciple. Because the, the, for one, they're not very educated, and the other thing is, they're, they're just, their mindset is not given to having certain disciplines. The house of people already kind of had a background of, of having disciplines. I mean, Islam is very discipline-oriented. The Gormanchi, not so much. And our schools, and our we started one year with about 20 students in the Gormanchi school, and we graduated about five. I mean, that's not a very good re- retention. Because it just wasn't working with the Gormanchi, what was working with the Hausa. We had to adjust, and we made some adjustments. We changed the way we did it. We changed, eventually, we changed the actual location where they didn't have to come in so far. We made some adjustments that was different than how we did it with them, and it began to flourish. And now we're having almost as many Gourmanche pastors as we do house of pastors. But we had to change the methods of how we did it. The message didn't change. And I want that to be very clear. When we say a one-size-fits-all... It doesn't mean that the message changes. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus. He that hath the Son hath life. He that does not have the Son of God does not have life. There is only one way, and it's Jesus. But I want you to know, there's many ways that we can present the one way. There's not just one. If we're so inflexible and we think there's just one way it has to be done, we're going to limit and we're going to stay. That's not an all by all possible means type of thinking. We've got to figure out how do I reach this audience? How can I be effective with this group? I love it as we travel around um, and, and, and uh, going to places we've not been before or figuring out how to get up here and all these other places. Man, that app, Google Apps or Waze or whatever ones you, you like to use. It's so awesome because you put in your, where you're at, it knows where you're at, GPS, and then you figure out where you're going and you hit directions, and I know you all know this, but in Niger, I have to explain it a little bit, <laughs> but you know, that app, it shows you the best way to get there, but it also lets you take alternates, and then it even sometimes gives you another option it recommends because there might be traffic or whatever. From that app, we begin to see there's the shortest route. But it may not always be the best route. Or there's the, the, the shortest distance may not always be the best route. You see, there's different ways to get to the destination. But it also shows us that there's 
Some roads you take that won't even get you to the destination. So I'm not saying you change the message, but you can change the methods. And you can pass by St. Louis to get to Tulsa, right? I don't know if there's another way you can go, but you can go the long way around and whatever you want to do. But you know, there's many ways to present the gospel. That's got to be our heart. When the Apostle Paul says, I've become all things to all men that by all possible means I might save some. We've got to be ready to do whatever it takes. You know, one of the privileges we have is we travel around over the last 20, 21 years now um, is that we get to go into so many different churches. We're not part of a denomination. Um, Danette and I both went through ORU. Um, we were trained at Pastor Happy Caldwell's church um, at the Agape School of World Evangelism, one-year Bible school there before we launched out. But we're not part of any denomination. All our support is just through relationship people we know and people that we've been connected and some are total Holy Spirit connections. I mean, our connection to Brad Dawson over to the church in Farmer City there at Victory is what connected us to y'all. And, and, you know, we got connected and that's how we're supported. But one of the privileges is we go in to our supporting churches. Everyone is so different. I mean, we probably have in the neighborhood of maybe 20, 25 churches that, that are connected with us. Everyone, almost everyone is different. I mean, we have a few Assemblies of God, a few Foursquare, a few Rhema-type churches. I mean, pastors that were, were Rhema grads, several of those, and, and, and then some that are just friends from ORU. As we go into each church, we realize every church so different. Every church so different, but yet the presence of God is there. You see, there's not just one way to worship I, need, I know sometimes we can fit, think that, oh, the, the presence of God, when we, when we played these songs, and this is the, the, this is the way you do praise and worship. This is the way the service should be done, and then the Holy Spirit shows up. You know what? We are living with people that are so diverse. And God, he loves all kinds of different worship. Some people like loud music. I mean, they like it cranked. I've been into some churches. Whoa, man, your hair, when you walk out of the church, your hair is like standing back because those sound waves just blew them back. It can be so loud, or you can have some that love it, like it quiet. There's some that like the hymns. I love the hymns. Do you know that God shows up when we sing hymns as well? I mean, it can be all kinds of different styles of worship. It's not, it's so, we get caught up in the message sometimes that we miss the fact that God's showing up because his word is true. The message of the gospel is the power of God to salvation. There's so many different ways. Some preachers, some some pastors like to preach. Some congregations like a preacher. Some congregations, they don't want the shouting. Some congregations don't want the hype. They just want the teaching. They like just a calm teaching, bam, bam, bam. And you know what? God is in all those churches. God's called those churches. It's not just one way. It's not a one size fits all. I become all things to all men that by all possible means. Of course, there's going to be a lot of different kinds of churches. A lot of kind. I mean, we all have different personalities. Amen. Everybody say by all possible means. I might save some. I believe that the number eight, I believe that when it says by all possible means, it means that there is no limits. I become all things to all people that by all possible means. That's removing the limits. We can't limit 
what we're willing to do for God. And we cannot limit God from doing for us. You know, sometimes we limit God. We limit God. We say, God, okay, if you're going to do this, this is how you need to do it. Sometimes we limit what God will do for us because we limit how he'll do it. I mean, God can heal you with a miracle or he can heal you with medicine. I mean, how many times have you heard the story of, you know, they were believing for a miracle, they didn't have the medicine, and then they died or something tragic happened? God can use medicine, and he can use a miracle, and he can use them both together. No, we can't limit God. When he says, by all possible means. You know, a friend of mine, he, he and the wife were, were having uh, struggles getting pregnant and couldn't have a child. And I said, well, have you gone to the doctors to, 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 to get your bodies checked and see if there's some kind of, you know, fertility meds and stuff that you can take? And he said, no, 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 no we're, we're just believing God. That's not a by all possible means. I mean, if it was me, I want to be a father and I can't have children. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do by all possible means. And I'm going to keep on doing it a lot. You know, amen. Because we want to reach people. We're going to do whatever it takes. When you want something so much, you're ready to do whatever it takes. Are we ready to do whatever it takes to reach people? Remove the limits. Like I said, Naaman almost lost his miracle because he, wasn't, he had the limit of what he was ready and willing to do. We've got to remove the limits off God and we've got to remove the limits off ourselves. When God says, go into all the world, don't say, well, okay, that's for some people. I, I don't see that me doing that. We've got to pull the limits off. That by all possible means, I might save some. We can't put God in a box. We've got to be ready to do whatever it takes. Number nine, it indicates... That it is of the highest priority. When the Apostle Paul said, by all possible means, I might save some. By all possible means. It's saying this is a priority. This is one of the most important things. It's Jesus' last command and it must be our first priority. By all possible means. God's heart is for all people. All nations. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness in all nations. And then the end shall come. I mean, that makes it a pretty high priority. Jesus' last words as he's getting ready to leave the earth. Go and preach the gospel in all the world. People are of the highest priority. We've got to make sure that we're ready to do whatever it takes to keep the focus, to keep the commitment, to to, to make the radical lifestyle changes that we need to make to make this a priority in our life. God's heart is for all people. The founder of World Vision made a statement that has been repeated over and over. His name, Bob Pierce, he said this, may my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. People. Are we ready to do whatever it takes? It is of the highest priority. And the last one I want to give you, number 10. We must take responsibility. We must take, when the Apostle Paul says, I become all things to all men, that by all possible means, the Apostle Paul said, I might save some. I have become all things to all people, that by all possible means, I might save some. The Apostle Paul took responsibility to reach the people. 
I remember there was a discussion we had. Somebody had come over, and there were several of us in the room, and we were talking, and we were all, we were all pastors or evangelists or missionaries, and as we were talking, somebody was making the statement, yeah, we, we, uh, we went down there, and, and uh, that program, I think he said it something like, yeah, we got, we got about 25 uh, people saved in that meeting. And one of the other people heard that and says, well, you didn't get them saved. You know, the Holy Spirit saved. And, and I, get the, I get the truth of that. You know man can be saved except the Holy Spirit draws them to repentance. But, that, but, but the Apostle Paul said that I might save them. The Apostle Paul took some responsibility. You know what? Hypersovereignty abdicates. Hypersovereignty uh, theology abdicates our responsibility to reach people. We begin to think, oh, whatever happens is God's will. Or God will get them saved. If God wants them saved, they'll get saved. That's taking no responsibility. The Apostle Paul said, I become all things to all men that by all possible means I might save some. We've got to take some responsibility in this. So many times we say, oh God, why did you let this happen? You know, so many people are waiting on God and God is waiting on us. God's first words to man in the book of Genesis were what? He said, after he created man, man comes to life, he says, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue, take dominion, rule over, take responsibility. We have to take responsibility on this earth. Jesus said, whatsoever things you bind on earth are bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you loose on earth are loose in heaven. He's saying, take responsibility. Whatsoever things you sow, you shall reap. That's responsibility. The Great Commission is our responsibility. When the Apostle Paul says, I become all things to all men. And I know I keep repeating this because I want this scripture to be so ingrained in your mind and in your heart that you'll continue to think, I become all things to all people that by all possible means... We've got to be ready to do whatever it takes. We've got to be ready to make the sacrifice. We've got to be ready to, to take the risks. Man, there are some risks. People are risking their life to serve Jesus today. I want to pull you out of the comforts of American freedom and liberties. And I want you to put you into the real international global thinking of reaching the world. And realize there is a risk. It's going to require pushing fear aside. Persevering after. Taking responsibility, removing the limits. By all possible means, we've got to take responsibility. I want to close my message this morning, and I I don't know where I'm at on time or when you're supposed to close around here. But I want to close my message by sharing the story of John Allen Chow. How many saw him in the news this past November? 26-year-old man. When he was 16 years old, he, he got a heart for the Sentinelese people. How many, how many heard this story? Spends 10 years of his life preparing, doing whatever it takes. Studies, missions, studies, uh, medical stuff, uh, sports medicine, studies linguistics of how to learn a language to connect with people that don't speak your language. As he hears about these most unreached people group in the whole earth, isolated 
people, the Sentinelese on an island off of the Indian, India, part of India's, but it's on an island isolated. No man has ever gone to that island. Obviously, they don't know who Jesus is unless somehow Jesus is gone directly and revealed himself. But these are people totally separated. John Allen Chow gets this vision as a 16-year-old and he prepares for it and does whatever it takes to prepare, ready to make the sacrifice. And he gets up and he goes at 26 years old and he goes to this island to give them the gospel of Jesus, to tell them that Jesus loves them, that he is the savior, that they should receive Jesus. And he goes there. And the first time he, get, he, he goes to the island, he's on a canoe, he gets up to this island and goes on there. To, and some of the people come out. I mean, they're people that are barely wearing clothes. I mean, this is some of the most rural, unreached, undeveloped part of the world ever, anywhere, today, anywhere. You can Google it, look it up. And he goes out there onto the beach and then he starts trying and he says, hey, I'm John and Jesus loves you. And I've, and you know, immediately they start like, at first they didn't, but within a few minutes they're shooting spears at him. And he has to run for cover and one of the spears actually goes into his Bible. And he, and he gets in his canoe and he gets away. But he took the gospel of those who'd never heard. Doing whatever it takes by all possible means. And he writes in his journal, and we, all, we know all the details of this because of when he keeps coming back and through the whole process of his preparation, he details it out in his journal. The next day after even being shot at with an arrow in his Bible, he goes back. And the second time he shows up and he starts to try to make a contact again, pursuing after them, persevering. And, and this time when they're shooting, they actually first take his canoe. He has to swim away. To save his life. But he keeps on going. And the next day. He goes back. And that's where his blood was spilled. On that. Island. And how does the church react? Where have we. It's funny, I don't even know him. My son knows him. My son went to ORU with him. But when I think about his heart, for all people, by all possible means, he kept going back, ready to make the sacrifice, taking the risk. He knew there was a risk. How can you not? You get an arrow in your Bible. But he kept on going to reach people. What are we willing to do? And I say this knowing that you are a congregation that has missions at its heart. But I want to stir you today. That by all possible means, we've got to make this the highest priority. The Apostle Paul said, I become all things to all people. That by all possible means, I might save some. We need some more John Allen Chow's. Amen? We need those that are ready to do whatever it takes. I know that people can always find fault. Well, it wasn't wisdom, and he should have done this, and he should have done that. Man, you're saying that from the comforts of your American home. John Allen Chow was a hero. 
He gave his life for the Sentinelese people. And he did what God told all of us to do. By all possible means. Amen. Let's stand up. Let me pray for you. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for Living Word Family Church. God, I thank you, Lord, for your presence in this house. I thank you that these are men and women of God that know your word, that are challenged, and that challenge people, and that live their life every day. They live the gospel. God, right now, I pray that my message will stir in their heart. God, and that they will be inspired to to reach their world all around them, their Jerusalem, their Judea, the Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. God, I pray right now that the revelation of all people, your heart to reach all people will be stirred afresh in their heart this morning, God. And God, I pray that we will be ready and willing to do whatever it takes to make the sacrifices, to take the risks, to pull all limits off and push fear aside. And God, even in the example of John Allen Chow, may we all be ready to lay our life down for the sake of the gospel. Father, I thank you. I want to just read that passage before I sit down in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 9, I think it is. Luke 9, starting in verse 23. And Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.